it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh no! Jimmy is, I'm not saying off today, because that makes it sound like he's at a golf course or cozying up to a bar near you at the Jersey Shore or on Long Island in, in New York. Nah, man's always worked. So he is hosting Fox News Saturday night, that's 10 o'clock show, and he's preparing for it. You know, it's a full hour. I mean, imagine that. It's always my dream. I mean, radio's great, don't get me wrong, but imagine that, like, prime time, Saturday night, number one network, and you're handed the keys to an hour. What would you do with it? So I think Jimmy's not just going to show up and throw up, is the old saying in the business. But I think he's putting a lot of care into it in terms of guests, in terms of segments, in terms of just things that will make it the most different show on Fox that you may ever see. And I saw Jimmy fill in a couple of weeks ago, and he killed it. I mean, he really did. The man is a natural. Obviously, you listen to him here on a daily basis. But radio and TV can be two different things sometimes, and it was a seamless transition. The Gary Cohen of Fox News. Gary Cohen's the host of the, uh, or the announcer for the Mets. He was on radio, and people are like, oh, he's not going to be able to go from radio to television. It's too hard. Actually, it's quite easy. In Gary Cohen's case, anyway, a natural talent. But let's not talk about baseball. Let's talk about what we witnessed on Capitol Hill yesterday. And Joseph Ziegler and Gary Shapley, these are two IRS whistleblowers testifying before Congress. Credible witnesses, by the way. They bought the receipts. They kept their composure even when Democrats went off on tangents that I still don't quite understand because for once they couldn't attack the witnesses, especially Ziegler, because he votes Democrat and he's gay. So you check off those two boxes, roll the dice and take your chances as far as uh, trying to go after uh, those folks' credibility. Oh, by the way, probably the most important part, uh, Shipley and Ziegler have worked for the IRS for more than a decade. Okay, so these are people that have been there for a while, and they said they had to come forward because, to quote Shipley, no one is above the law. I think we've heard that somewhere before. Anyway, they described in specific details about pressure on several levels applied by the Department of Justice and the FBI to protect the sitting president's son from far more consequential prosecution than the BS that we witnessed a couple of weeks ago that he pled guilty to. Talk about a sweetheart deal. And you, you knew that that wouldn't be the end of it. I think Democrats are like, all right, see, uh, we, we, we charged them. Oh, well, slapping the wrist. Uh-uh. This ain't going away because elections have consequences. And people talk how disappointing it was during the last midterm election that, oh, the Republicans were supposed to be a red tsunami. They were supposed to take the House, by, gain 40 seats, and it didn't happen, but they still gained the House. All right? And as Tom Brady will tell you, doesn't matter whether you win by three or four touchdowns or by a field goal. Wins a win. And by the way, j- just regarding Brady, most of his Super Bowls were close. You know, it w- Montana had like a 55-10 shellacking of the Broncos uh, one year, for example, right? I mean, so yeah, they had their blowouts. Brady never really did. You think about it, right? First Super Bowl against the Rams comes down to a field goal. They win. Second Super Bowl win against the Panthers comes down to a field goal. They win. Adam Vinatieri. Third Super Bowl comes down to a field goal game between the Eagles and the Patriots, and the Patriots win. We know about the comeback against Seattle. We know about the comeback. <laughs> we definitely know about the comeback against the Falcons, but these are all field goal games in essence. And that's, that's the only thing that matters. Win the game and move on. And in this case, the GOP won back the House. They didn't win the Senate. 
they won back the House and they could hold hearings like this and they could do the investigations that Nancy Pelosi in a billion years would never even think about doing. And obviously, people who work in media who are supposed to be speaking truth to power and holding the powerful accountable, uh, they have no interest in this either. So it's up to basically James Comer and Jim Jordan and Republicans in the House and these whistleblowers because they are putting their careers on the line. We've seen uh, what, what Democrats will do if you don't toe the line before. So we, we watched this yesterday, and we could only see it on Fox News. For some reason, CNN and MSNBC didn't carry the proceedings. January 6th, oh, well, that blotted out the sun, those, those BS hearings, right? And then you turn to ABC News. AB World News Tonight, right, number one newscast in the country. I know you're going to say no one watches the evening newscast anymore. They actually kind of do. When you combine the CBS, NBC, and ABC audience, you're talking 20 million people tuning in so it does have some influence and the fact that abc didn't even touch it tells you where they are as as a news organization when george stephanopoulos is your chief anchor when he used to be the communications director and basically hitman for for the clinton administration uh yeah (laughs) that's what's going to happen i have a feeling but anyway so you had no idea if this was happening whatsoever as far as the whistleblower testimony is concerned if you watch cnn or msnbc all day they only talked about trump because that's all they know and look when you think about particularly Joseph Ziegler and his testimony yesterday, I want to play cut one here because it's not just somebody just throwing stuff out there and hope it sticks to the wall. These are specific details from somebody who was in the know. Joseph Ziegler, Capitol Hill, cut one, go. Hunter Biden allegedly falsely claimed business deductions for, chat, for payments made to the Chateau Marmont, a hotel room for his supposed drug dealer, Sex club memberships, falsely referenced on the wire as a golf membership, hotels he was blacklisted from, and a Columbia University tuition payment for his adult daughter. All of these items were used to support willfulness, the willfulness element for felony tax evasion. These false deductions claimed by Hunter Biden caused a false return to be prepared that underreported his total income by approximately $267,000, and a loss to the U.S. Treasury of $106,000. And that is a felony, my friends. Just laid out for you. And all of it, I mean, could you say that's impossible? Hunter Biden using money and pays off prostitutes and and is paying off hotel rooms that he's been banned at. And, and all that. of course this all happened. I mean, he's, he's written about it in his own book. So then you say, if you're a Democrat, well, who cares? Hunter Biden doesn't hold any public office. Hunter Biden isn't president of the United States. No, Joe Biden is. And the thing that I keep going back to, just as like a guy, right, guy observing stuff, like not as like a political analyst or somebody who knows uh, is an expert in anything, really. I I mean, I guess I know sports fairly well and I cover the media and I guess you could call me a media expert. But otherwise, like all this other stuff, I'm just a guy sitting back and watching this. And, and, And from this point of view, I do not understand and no one could ever explain how in 2017, the Bidens somehow had $2.7 million laying around to buy a beach house in Delaware on the beach. $2.7 million. They also have a beautiful home in Wilmington as well that's worth a couple mil as well. And you say, where does the money come from? Because when you work as vice president, you don't make a lot of money, relatively anyway. And, and same thing as a senator. 
it's a good salary, and you could have a nice life, but you're not buying beach houses. I know in Jersey, trust me, the dream is always to have a Jersey Shore beach house, and it's just never going to happen because we're talking like I got to have five, six, seven million dollars laying around to get something halfway decent these days. So my son asked me, we were on vacation uh, recently. It was like a working trip for me, I guess, but it was in Italy, so that, that, that was nice in Croatia, which will blow you away, believe me. And my seven year old asked, Daddy, how do we get rich? And he asked this question because we were in this place called Portofino. It's the most gorgeous place I've ever seen. Just look it up in Google. <laughs> when we go to commercial, trust me on this. And we were going by a yacht that had a uh, helicopter on it, you know, on the top, like, you know, stuff out of uh, like a Robert Redford film, right? And, and I said, well, there's different kinds of rich, right? Like your mother works as a doctor. I work in TV. I do my writing. And so we have... A nice life, right? Our house is like something like 2,300 square feet, four bedroom, built like 40 years ago type of thing. So it's a nice house, but it's not anything that's going to blow you away, but nice. So I said, so we're, we're in the nice part. Then there's rich, rich. And then there's what you're looking at there with that yacht with the, with the chopper on top. That's rich, rich, rich. So Biden's in the me category, basically. Nice life, right? But not beach house nice. That's a whole other level. And the fact that all those millions came in where he's buying all these houses right after he left the vice presidency, it makes you wonder, boy, maybe he is the big guy, the guy who got 10% of all these deals just because he was the vice president. It's his name. And you have Hunter Biden in places like China and Ukraine, Romania, making all these deals with energy companies when he has zero experience in the energy sector. So obviously something else is going on because we still can't quite figure out what were the services that were provided. What was the value add that Hunter Biden could bring that got him compensated all those millions of dollars? And of course, it was nothing. And that's why the money, after he was paid, went through shell companies so it couldn't be tracked back to him. And I think the thought process was ultimately, you know what? After Joe Biden is my dad, is vice president, then he's going to retire because he's 70-something years old. And, you know, some people age well and some don't. And he's on, you know, he's, he's, he's the latter part of that sentence. So he's not going to actually run for president again. If, if Joe Biden were to ever run for president, it would have been in 2016 because that's what vice presidents do. It's what Al Gore did after Bill Clinton uh, had his eight years. And it's what Nixon did after Eisenhower had his eight years. And it's what George H.W. Bush did after Reagan had, uh, had, he had eight years with, with Reagan, right? So that's kind of the pattern, the, the way these things work. So Biden didn't run because the Democratic Party did not want him to run because he's a profoundly horrible candidate. And they thought it was Hillary Clinton's time. And boy, wouldn't that be great? Really, the thought process wasn't so much about Biden. It was, wouldn't it be great if we had the first black president passed the baton on to the first female president like that that's the whole thing it's all about legacy and, and, and imagery and checking off boxes and so on so i think hunter was thinking all right well it's not like anybody's going to care what i'm doing because my dad will go off the stage and no one really think about him again and that'll be that and that's probably what would have happened <laughs> right or if, or if trump won in 2020 and he would have if, if covid didn't hit and that changed the whole equation but i'm going off on a tangent the point here is joseph ziegler yesterday on capitol hill did confirm that joe biden is the big guy cut two go when we're preparing for that we're preparing for that interview and we're referencing that email 10 held by h for the big guy and from what i understand that to be president his dad president biden there you go and there was so much more damning testimony. Uh, we have a nice little montage that the uh, the production folks put together. Let's just roll cut three and just try to absorb everything that these men are saying. I mean, this is Watergate. Watergate's got nothing on this because if all this is true, and it's hard to believe it isn't because we're seeing bank records and receipts and so on, obviously credible witnesses, uh, then we are looking at the sitting president of the United States being compromised by the likes of China, Ukraine, and Russia. Oh, 
that could be a problem, can't it? Cut three, go. It appeared to me, based on what I experienced, that the U.S. attorney in Delaware in our investigation was constantly hamstrung, limited, and marginalized by DOJ officials as well as other U.S. attorneys. I still think that a special counsel is necessary for this investigation. Yep. Assigned prosecutors did not appear to follow the normal investigative process, slow walk the investigation, and put, pla- put in place unnecessary approvals and roadblocks from effectively and, e- and efficiently investigating the case. A number of times we were not able to follow the facts. Prosecutors instructed investigators not to ask about the big guy or dad when conducting interviews. Investigators were not allowed to follow up on WhatsApp messages from Hunter Biden's Apple iCloud backup where he suggested he was sitting next to his father. Precisely. And if you, you hear that WhatsApp message, it's, it's Hunter Biden, like a profound prick, by the way. He's talking to this Chinese energy executive, and he says, I got my dad sitting right next to me, and he's going to make sure that, you know, unless you pay me X, that he'll do Y. I don't have the verbatim transcript exactly from that, but, but the point is that obviously, clearly, he was using his father for leverage to extort more money out of these companies, again, owned basically by the Chinese Communist Party. So if you're wondering why Joe Biden is so soft on China and doesn't want to get to the bottom of COVID, you know, which killed over a million Americans, 7 million worldwide, shut down businesses. My kids are two years behind now in school because they, they're on because of New Jersey, of course, blue state. Uh, they're on iPads for way too long. And then when they went back, they still had to wear masks. I, I can't believe this. I, I, you know, Facebook says you have memories of blah, blah. I remember a couple months ago. I couldn't believe it. In March of last year, my kids were still in masks. March of 2022, two years after COVID, after they got COVID three times, right? Natural immunity. Hello. They're, they're, they still were a mess. I'm just like, oh, I hate everything about this. I hate the way we handled this. I hate the fact we don't hold, hold the Chinese accountable. I hate the fact that people kept insisting when I and others said that this probably came from a lab that studies coronaviruses in Wuhan. John Stewart has the best analogy around this ever, and it always will be. He says, if there was an outbreak of chocolatey goodness in Hershey, Pennsylvania, the first place you would look is the effing chocolate factory that produces chocolate. That's simple. I, I don't see why this was so hard. So that's what's going on uh, with, with, with your president right now. This ain't going away. I'm sorry. ABC can ignore it all they want. CNN and MSNBC can play January 6th in the loop all they want. Comer is getting closer and closer in terms of more bank records. And here's how it works. A few witnesses come forward, a few whistleblowers, others become emboldened, and then the dam breaks. And I think that's what conservatives, Republicans, that's what they're waiting for at this point. They, they're always promised things, right? Oh, we're close. We're going to get them. We're going to get them. And then nothing ever happens with anybody, right? With Comey, nothing ever happened. McCabe gets hired by CNN five minutes after he lies under testimony about leaking to the press. And so what does he do? He gets rewarded with a big contract, right? John Brennan, CIA, obviously compromised, rewarded with a big contract for the MSNBC. James Clapper, compromised, DNI, now CNN. It goes on and on, but that, that, that's where we're at at this point. Our intelligence officers all go work for cable news companies, and then they morph into Keith Oberman, which t- tells you probably they weren't doing their job on the up and up in the first place. This is Joe Concha filling in for the great Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. we got great guests coming up, including my friend Carol Roth, who has a new book coming out titled You Will Own Nothing. Enjoy your Thursday. Back with more in a moment. He's the most talented man on the radio, but he needs your help. We all know somewhere underneath all of that bright color, there's a man who's not right. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. room on this one you guys can turn your mics and chime in what the hell are we listening to i feel like i'm back in 1986 at like some really sketchy club so can we identify that song or it's just something we grabbed and we don't know what it is i don't know it was just on the playlist <laughs> just <laughs> right. in the i'm rotator. sending you i'm gonna text some uh, music requests i have for uh, the ins and outs the bumps as they call them uh going forward you guys always do a great job but i don't know what the hell that was anyway joe Concha in for jimmy fella fox across america you know mitt romney and I know this is probably going to be an unpopular thing to say, but I'll say it anyway. I think if he won in 2012, 2012, I think he would have been a good president. I don't think he would have been a great president. I think he would have been better than Barack Obama, certainly. And then you probably wouldn't get Trump because then would Trump go against an incumbent? Uh, but Romney seemed like a pretty organized guy, um, ran businesses successfully. You can't paint him as an extremist. He's not going to embarrass you in any way, shape, or form. So I, he would be like the B like if you're giving out grades, like a B president, right? And maybe that's, I would maybe take that now at this point, considering where we are. Uh, like Eisenhower was like a good steady president. He'd be like Eisenhower. I'm not saying that Mitt Romney's a general, but I'm saying it would be quiet. Now, that wouldn't be good for us on the radio or uh, on, on Fox or anywhere for that matter, because it would be a boring presidency and it would be no drama. And certainly Trump gave us that. And then Biden gives us a soundbite a day. Uh, but and speaking of the president, you know, I... I used to joke about this and and laugh at it. Now I'm just mad, and I'm not a mad person. I think you guys kind of know me from listening to me on the air and everything. Let's play cut 18 because this is unacceptable that our president is with the the president of Israel, and he's got to be given notes to read, and he's mumbling, and he's this close to falling asleep. I swear to God if you see the video. Cut 18, go. Do we have cut 18? Oh, cut 18 may not be there. Do, uh, you guys could just tell me, like, on the air. Do we have yeah, we brought Israelis and Palestinians together at a political level, and they, uh, and, uh, and, at the, uh, and Aqua and the Shram. And uh, as I uh, affirmed to Prime Minister Netanyahu yesterday, America's commitment to Israel is firm. Okay, that's what I used to sound like at around 3.30 in the morning at a pizza place in Hoboken after nine Jägermeisters. Okay, that's – he sounds drunk, and obviously he's not drunk, but it's like he's on something almost. I, I, I mean, uh, it's just any, – anybody going to get on the other side or you're an independent voter, suburban mom, disgruntled Democrat, you watch this and say, this can't go on for another six years, which it will. We're talking all the way five years to 2028. Actually, he'll still be in office in 2029, technically. Do we really want this? Uh, wake up, America. It's Fox Across America. Joe Conscient for Jimmy Fallon. Your calls, 888-788-9910. Do call in, coming up. Well, as you all know, today is National Hot Dog Day. And uh, perhaps you also know that hot dog is my favorite meat. I love hot dogs. Uh, I love them in buns. I love them outside of buns. I love them with baked beans. I just like hot dogs. It's the best, you know, best meat there is without question. 
So to all of you who, like me, are celebrating uh, National Hot Dog Day, uh, congratulations to you, and may there be many, many more hot dogs served in our wonderful land. See, if you're wondering why Mitt Romney didn't win in 2012, I think that was just it. I remember he did an interview with Michael Strahan. It was on Good Morning America. And he was talking about how Snooky was his favorite character on Jersey Shore, the MTV reality show that was stolen from me. It's a story for another time. Anyway, point is, he's like, oh, she's just full of such energy and really enjoy hearing what she has to say. And you're like, you never watched one minute of that show. And Snooky? Really? That's your favorite? The one that was always in the smush room? I don't think so. But that's the thing. Like, you know that Mitt Romney doesn't eat hot dogs just based on that. Like, he had trouble saying the word. It was like a foreign concept to him. You know, oh, it's our, my favorite meat in this wonderful land. Who talks like that? No one talks like that. And 2012 was so winnable. Oh, my goodness. You had unemployment at 8%. You had Obama basically getting nothing done. Yeah, he killed bin Laden. Fine, I guess. He just happened to be president at the time. You know, that, that, was, that was due to our... Uh, intelligence agencies and, and SEAL 6 and so on. Oh, by the way, a raid that Joe Biden objected to <laughs> oh, Pakistan. Uh, every wrong decision. But, yeah, I mean, if you want to know why Mitt Romney is now just Senator Mitt Romney and not President Mitt Romney, well, you just heard 28 seconds of that. Anyway, let's get to our busy phones. I'm looking at the board right here, and it's like, wow, this is like looking at all the people who play Powerball this week. What do I choose from? Ah, I shouldn't do this because now, since my school, Maryland, moved to the Big Ten about 10 years ago. I'm trained now to hate not Duke or North Carolina, but Ohio State University, the Ohio State University. But we're going to go to Columbus, and we've got Michael there. Uh, Michael, you're going to educate me on something I have a feeling. Go ahead. Hey, Joe. No, no, no. I'm just driving through Columbus. Hey, I'm from Georgia, buddy. So, you know, there's uh, – <laughs> You're a bulldog? So there you uh, – Actually, Georgia Tech, those yellow jackets, buddy. So, no, I, I wash my hands of those uh, stinky dogs. But, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm I was there. They, they can win. Yeah, you know, I was there when you had win. Kenny Anderson and uh, Scott and uh, – I forget what their nickname was, but they went to the Final Four. And I remember they, they waxed Maryland. Like, they beat us at home, like, pretty good. I'm like, that's a good team. Okay. So, I don't know how old you there are. There you go. There you go. Yeah, go ahead. ACL, oh, baby, that's my era, man. That, that's like, you are on a show. Let me tell you, Joe, you, are, you may not be aware of this. This show not only has Jimmy Fallon, but they have the best bumper music on the radio, on the Internet, bar none. And wow. the song you mentioned a few minutes ago was – Dirty Harry by Gorillas with a Z. You remember that from the eighties? Yeah. <laughs> that, wow. That's it, buddy. I love that song. <laughs> it's called Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry. Yeah. The Gorillas. Uh, okay. You know they did days. They they had several really big hits back back in the day. So. Yeah. Let's and see. don't you kind of wish sometimes, Joe, you were back in the day? You know, Ronald Reagan back when things seemed so much simpler and, you know, uh, he took down communism without firing a shot. You know, those days. What? That, I'd, I'd take those days, you know, where yeah, the economy is booming. Everybody was happy in the 80s, you know. And even, like, Tip O'Neill and Reagan, like, would have a drink. Tip O'Neill was the uh, house speaker. And they would have a drink every day after work and try to, like, hammer things out. And it's like, wow, they actually compromised. And they said somewhat nice things about each other. And now it's just so uncivil and just such – we have children yes, governing yes. us, basically. When, the first time I went to D.C. when I was 14 years old, I saw my senator, Herman Talmadge, 
on the floor of the Senate talking to Hubert Humphrey. So, yeah, I'm old. Wow. So, uh, but that, the, 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 the thing everyone said back then, Joe, that you never hear today, I totally disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. You remember that's that used to be, and yeah, they worked it out. They went to a bar after work and said, "How are we going to make this work?" You know, and now, the, the, is there anyone in the middle to help? You know, bring the sides together because they're so diametrically opposed these days. You know, no, yeah, middle middle means you're weak. It means you're squishy. It means you have no principles. I don't know. Maybe it means you're in the middle. <laughs> maybe you see things. <laughs> you see compromise is the only way forward. Uh, but now it's just seek and destroy, and it's just so. So depressing. I don't know. It's crazy. Bobby Crimmins, well, by the way, great hair. Oh, absolutely. Hey, here's a, a little tidbit. Yeah. My, my wife and I both went to Georgia Tech. She was on the Tech newspaper. She interviewed Bobby Crimmins multiple times while she was the sports editor for the Technique. Now, there's a little tidbit of trivia. <laughs> wow. We're going back a long and way here. what a here. great man. What a great man, Bobby Crimmins. Holy cow. I ran out of gas in Georgia coming back from spring break in Panama City, Florida. And your police <laughs> officers couldn't be any more, well, they were wise asses, but they were, they were funny, man. They're just like, oh, Yankee, how do you not know to fill up the tank? And you let it go all the way down to E. It ain't E for enough. And they're just busting my chops the entire way to the gas station and back. And then when I got uh, back, I filled it up, and then a snake like appeared out of nowhere because I was in the grass. And I, I ran and screamed like a girl, and they just <laughs> laughed at me. I'm like, oh, I'll always remember Georgia fondly for, for that moment. Too funny. Anyway, I, I got to run, unfortunately, because we, we got some things to get to. But this was a pleasure, Michael. Have fun going through Columbus. They have great gyros on High Street if you're near High Street, okay? Do we lose them? Oh, I hope you heard that last part. Yeah, I, I made a road trip from Maryland to Ohio State one year, uh, and I just couldn't get over how great the Greek food was, of all things, at these trucks on High Street, which is like the main drag. It's like it's like Route 1 in, in College Park, Maryland, but uh, it's it's like that version in at Ohio State. And I just could not get it. I'm not a Greek guy either as far as like eating that stuff. I don't mind it, but I don't go out of my way for it. But that's what I always remember on Ohio State, that it had great Greek food. Go figure. Anyway. Let's hear from the Florida governor, shall we? And his name is Ron DeSantis, of course. And you see the polls. Look, I I got this one wrong. I'm not saying it's over. But I thought, honestly, based on feedback that I got, I, I took several trips to Florida. I do some speaking engagements from time to time. So I like to talk to people, like, off the record, like, you know, who do you like and why? And it seemed like by, uh, DeSantis had the edge over Trump. I, I, I'm not saying it was 50-50, but 55-45, DeSantis, Trump, as far as, like, wh- who people wanted uh, to be the nominee. And I figured Trump, with all the baggage, uh, is some of it completely unfair, like this Alvin Bragg thing and hush money to porn stars. That 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 those indictments were utterly laughable. And even even the whole thing with Mar-a-Lago and the documents. You know, either you indict Hillary Clinton because she stole documents and she wasn't even president, so she couldn't declassify him. And Joe Biden has him next to his stupid Corvette in in, in Delaware in one of those multimillion-dollar homes, and, and they had it at the Biden Center in Washington. They're all over the place. They're spread out all over the place. Everybody apparently does this. Pence did it. Right? I couldn't leave a blockbuster video accidentally with a video uh, tape in my hand without seven alarms going off. But, but apparently everybody could just take classified information out of the White House and out of uh, those skiffs that senators go into. So either you indict them all or you don't indict any of them all, any of, any of them, uh, period. It's that simple. I think a lot of people probably, if we had common sense, would just look at it that way. So, but instead now we're hearing that, oh, Trump could go to jail for 30 years. And, oh, boy, these trials are going to extend right through the 2024 election, which means, congratulations, America, we don't get to have a debate. In other words, I selfishly was pulling for DeSantis 
and I wanted Newsom to run from California, uh, not because I like the two men all uh, that much on like any personal level. I've never met either one of them, but I, I want an issues-based campaign. And I know that sounds so boring, but hey, and the way you get to an issues campaign is you make it a very simple binary choice, right? Which is, do you want America to be more like Florida or California? So if you had a DeSantis versus Newsom matchup, it's like, okay, where do you come down on taxes? Would you rather have the highest taxes in the country like California has? 13.3% income tax in California. Uh, New Jersey is almost as high where I live. Florida, zero. Texas, zero. Tennessee, zero. Where are people moving to the most? What states? You'll never guess. Florida, Texas, Tennessee. What state are they moving out of the most? California, and particularly San Francisco, followed by Illinois, New York, and New Jersey. So, if it just comes down to a choice of, do I want the country to resemble more California, where you have a homeless, a drug problem, poverty, the highest in the country, I mentioned the taxes, out of control, and people are moving out. And then you hear the argument, well, people are only moving to Florida because of climate and coastline. Well, last check, California has that too. Nice weather, nice ocean. So it's not that, clearly. Where do you come down on education? you think parents should have more rights in education or should it be left up to the teachers' unions? That's a question that could be asked. And in Florida, parents have the rights. California, it's more about the teachers' unions. Hey, where do you come down on the border? Do you think that the border should be open or closed? It's a very simple question because that's basically what we're, we're, we're seeing at this point. Would you rather that uh, legals that come into this country get free health insurance, driver's licenses, the ability to vote, or shouldn't they get those things and should they just not be allowed in the country in the first place by building a wall? Again, when you shake it all out, you're going to have your partisans on both sides that will that, that are going to say, no, I want this no matter what because they're blind, right? And they, they just – it's almost like a cult. But then there's a, enough in that squishy middle I was just talking about that may say, oh, no, I want all of those things, right? I, I, I want – a secure border. I want my kids to be educated the right way. Not about sexual orientation and gender identification. Like my kid's in first grade. You're going to teach him that? He won't even understand what you're saying. And why even push it anyway? That's a, that's a conversation as a parent you have with your kids. You shouldn't force teachers to do that. Is that common sense? I think it is. Is that a conservative position? No, it's common sense. That's why Glenn Youngkin won in Virginia, a state that Biden won by 10 points because he ran on education and, and saying the things that, 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 that I'm saying right now. So if you bring it down to should we be tough on China, right? Do you think that we should have never-ending wars like we're having in Ukraine and Russia, or should we try to find, I don't know, some road forward, some negotiation instead of just funneling tens of billions of dollars into that war? I could go on and on, but if it just comes down to a choice of issues, and then your candidate's your candidate, but we don't have to get so personal with them, like there's some sort of like sinister motive. Of course not. That's not going to happen. DeSantis will be painted as worse than Trump, authoritarian. They'll throw out the Hitler and the Stalin and the Mao because that's, that's, that's what the left does. And then Newsom, obviously, will talk about how great his hair and his smile is. That's, that's, I hate this. I think we just become stupider as a country in general. I'm not saying you that's listening, but just in the way we pick presidents. I, I'm sorry. I mean... I'll take boring if you're effective and tough and principled and you work hard. I'll take boring. I know that'll be a career hit for me. I don't care. I just want the country back. Is that okay? Can I have that back, please? Anyway, here's DeSantis. It's cut 20 guys in the control room. And this is him. This is where he's got to walk that delicate dance, that, that, that tightrope. What sets him apart from Donald Trump? Cut 20, go. What sets you apart from Trump? Because you seem like you agree on so many of the issues and so, so much of your policy is similar. Well, I, I think I think. Look, I, I've given him credit. I mean, I think he, he's done a lot of good things. Uh, you know, one, um, I think I'm, I'm more likely to beat Biden. I think my record in Florida shows that. Uh, two, I think I'm more likely to actually get all this stuff done. Look, I'm a former military officer. I'm disciplined. I'm focused. 
Uh, I don't worry about all the side issues. A lot of the stuff that happens on a day-to-day basis is a distraction. Um, you know, I don't try to stir that up. I try to get the job done every single day. I'm also somebody who's able to serve two terms. I hadn't heard that point before, the last one. That, that is true, right? You're, you are relegated to two terms just because the terms are broken up as they would be with Trump if you were to win as a one-term president. Now you could say, well, Trump will just get everything done in the, that one term. That may very well be true, <laughs> right? Uh, and particularly when you look at the map and you see, okay, if Trump or DeSantis or whoever else, but it's basically those two, the selection is going to come down to, if one of those men win, then you have the Oval Office, you if one of them wins, then you're, you're keeping the House. So that's in your control. And then the Senate, the Senate is 51-49 right now. And there are three races that if the, the GOP blows these, then just, just dissolve the party already. Take your ball and go home. Montana, that seat is up. Talk about a red state. If you can't win in Montana, you can't win a Senate seat there, you got problems. All right? And this isn't like a Georgia or an Arizona that's becoming more and more purple. It's Montana. All right? You better win there. I think that's where Yellowstone was filmed, right? It was Montana? Yeah, I watched it, but I, I was that Wyoming? I have no idea. Anyway, it was Montana? Okay. Yeah, all right. So if you can't win in Kevin Costner land, then you got problems. Then you have another race going on in West Virginia, which is even more red. And you have Jim Justice, who sounds like he should be like in Smokey the Bandit or Dukes of Hazzard or something, but he's the current governor, and he's, he's at almost 70% approval in that state. And he's going to run against Joe Manchin, maybe. And Manchin's at something like 35% approval. So that's... That's a slam dunk. I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee that right now. You know, Joe Willie Namath, Joe Willie Concha, trust me, uh, we're, we're into guarantees. You win that. Then you just have to win. Oh, oh by the way, Ohio. Ohio has a, a race coming up. Ohio is as red almost as West Virginia now at this point. It used to be a bellwether state. And now you see, you know, what did Mike DeWine win by uh, as governor? Something like 25 points. No one talks about that. People focused on DeSantis winning by 20, but 25 points in Ohio. So you have that. J.D. Vance just won a senatorial race there. So Democrats are basically dead in Ohio. So you've got to win two of those three. Two of those three, and you get back to Senate. You have House, Senate, White House. And I think DeSantis does make a good point that people will vote against Trump a lot more than DeSantis, just out of principle. Uh, I'll leave it here. New York Times does a focus group, and they interview 12 voters of Joe Biden in 2020. And they ask some very basic questions. Do you think he is strong as a leader? All 12 answer no. Do you, are you disappointed in this presidency? All 12 answer yes. Do you think he should run in 2024? All 12 answer no. He should not run. Who are you voting for in 2024? All 12 answer Joe Biden. Now, how, how people think that way exactly, I'm not quite sure. I'll say that I, I voted for Bill Clinton in 1996. That's how old I am. It's the first election I ever voted in. And if you looked at the country at the time, the economy was booming. We weren't at war. Clinton was negotiating with Newt Gingrich, who was the Republican House Speaker, and declaring that the era of big government's over. They got to a balanced budget agreement, which means we didn't spend money we didn't have. We actually had budget surpluses. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at everything, and I'm like, why would I want to change? I don't care if there's a D next to his name. He's doing a good job, and he's working with the other side, right? Uh, those days are well, well, well over, right? You have to control everything in order to get things done. And that, that's, that's the possibility. That, that's what's out there. But the fact that so many people will just vote against Trump because he's Trump, based on personality, they may even agree with some of his policies. I'm sure they do on the border. I'm sure they do on education. A majority do anyway. I'm sure they do on the economy. Who could steer this economy better? The guy who likes to spend trillions while inflation's going up or the guy who actually ran a business successfully? 
I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like it should be such an easy thing for Republicans right now. And yet, nope, it's going to come down to a couple thousand votes in like three states. Uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin. Pick your poison. And that's that. Anyway, this is Joe Concha filling in for Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America, 888-788-9910. Your phone calls and much more next. A show so good, it moves the stock market. The Dow racing up on Jimmy's remarks. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Insane in the membrane. It's insane in the brain. If you want to feel old, this song came out. This went to the Google machine. June 22nd, 1993. Doing the math correctly. Yes, that is correct. Cypress Hills. Insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. Came out three decades ago. When rap was fun. It was happy. You know, uh, the Humpty Dance. You remember that song? I mean, talk about the anthem of, of my college existence. It was awesome. The Thong song. I mean, forget about it. It was just silly stuff, man. I loved it. So anyway. That, that's where we're at as far as the aging process is concerned. Oh, boy. It's unbelievable what this president is trying to do as far as student loans are concerned. So the Supreme Court, just a couple of weeks ago, strikes down his student loan program because it is illegal. You cannot, as a president, just with a pen, decide I'm going to forgive billions upon billions in student loan debt. That has to go through Congress. Congress, they're the ones who control the purse strings. Then if it passes that house, it goes to the Senate. They take their scissor hands to it and manicure it. They bring it to the president. He signs it or vetoes it. That's the way it's always worked. So, of course, it's going to get shot down. So what does he do again this week? Oh, I'm forgiving 30, 40 billion in student loan debts, which will get shot down again. So then he could say, well, I tried and Republicans stop this. They're evil. I hate everything. Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. Back with more in just a moment. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Not quite. It's Joe Concha, your favorite Fox News contributor outside of Jimmy, of course, and a columnist for The Messenger, The Messenger, TheMessenger.com. Please do visit. We just launched uh, like five minutes ago, it feels, but I guess about two months ago. And it's this extraordinary business concept uh, by the great Jimmy Finkelstein, uh, who owned The Hill for like 20 years and just sold it for like $150 million last year to Nexstar. A slight profit probably turned there. Uh, And then, well, Jimmy's not the kind of guy who sits on the sidelines. He said, okay, I'm going to take this, get some more investors, and we're going to launch a brand new website, which at a time where, you know, you're seeing – Many media outlets uh, having massive cuts left and right. I mean, just look at what's going on at ESPN and some of the top talent that's being let go of there. This this was a bold move, uh, but I think the timing is great because now we're gearing up for 2024. Obviously, we got the debate next month. For an example, as far as the GOP is concerned, obviously the Democratic National Committee has already declared that in no way, shape, or form will Joe Biden ever, 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 ever debate any of his Democratic opponents. That's not going to happen. They've already said it doesn't matter. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. can... Pass him in the polls, and there's not going to be a debate because they just will not allow Joe Biden to be on stage without the aid of a teleprompter. It's that simple. We've seen it. 
including this week, which just really blew my mind, and that's saying something with the Israeli president and, and Biden almost falling asleep reading from a note card, it, just completely incoherent. Uh, so they're not going to allow him to be on stage in any way, shape, or form, particularly with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who you could agree or disagree with him. The guy knows how to make an argument. That, that's certainly for sure. Anyway, the big question, though, on the GOP side is should Donald Trump debate? Now, I wrote about this for The Messenger last week, and this is where I come down. Joe Biden absolutely should have to earn the nomination, particularly when he got Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's never held public office, kind of a fringe candidate. He's at 20%. Imagine if, like, Gavin Newsom decided to jump into this, what those numbers would look like all of a sudden. You're telling me that Biden then, nope, doesn't matter, coronate him. It's not a coronation, it's a nomination. And I think the same thing about Trump. Just because you have a lead now, okay, and you probably will hold that lead based because it's just so big and, and the loyalty to Trump among his core supporters is like nothing we've seen in modern political history. You still should have to get up there. I'm sorry. You, you have to earn this. I, I keep going back to that. And I, if I'm Trump personally, why would you not debate? You can say, well, to protect the lead. Well, he shouldn't have to. Oh, he's going to be the target. He relishes this stuff. And, and the fact that in 2016, 24 million people tuned into that first debate, August 6, 2015, Cleveland, Ohio, and 24 million people, which is unheard of as far as like a presidential de- primary debate is concerned. Usually these things get four or five million. So it quadrupled easily uh, the, the type of audience you would see for a primary debate. And he owned the stage. Scott Walker was one of the two front runners, along with Jeb Bush. And Trump just completely blotted out the sun. All the attention was, yes, directed at him, but I thought he kind of liked that. And after all these months of taking shots, particularly at DeSantis, to be able to stand next to him on that debate stage and do it face-to-face, and, oh, by the way, maybe have some debate about policy differences. I know a lot of (laughs) – most of the candidates, that's the whole thing. I can't really tell too much of a difference between Vivek – and it's Vivek, not Vivek. He he told me this when I – Saw him a couple of months ago down in Florida. He goes, it rhymes with toothache, Vivek. I go, you can never forget that. Okay. Vivek, Ramaswamy, uh, DeSantis, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, I guess, to a certain extent. Uh, These people really differ too much on policy. They come down the same on the border, and they do the same on education and regulations. And abortion's the only difference I see, and that's DeSantis is taking an extremely conservative position as far as a a ban after six weeks, which a lot of, you know, my – wife explained this to me. A lot of women don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks. So, you know, 15 weeks seems to be the, the sweeter spot, right? That That's where Europe's at. Uh, I, I think you can't be labeled an extremist if you say, okay, no abortions past 15 weeks. No, by the way, it should be left in the hands of the states per the Supreme Court ruling Dobbs last year. So this way voters have a say, all right? So if your state says no to a 15-week ban and wants to allow it all the way up till till birth, well, that's the state that you live in. And if another state says, no, six weeks, that's the way we're going to go, like Iowa or Florida, then that's the way it goes. But it, it should be state to state. There shouldn't be a federal rule on that that's decided by uh, those uh, on the bench. It should be something that goes back to, again, individual states' rights. That's what the framers always wanted. My point is that I think Trump, in the end, I think this is about kind of working the reps where he says, I don't know if I'm going to debate. I could see it being unfair. All these things. He sounds like a whiner, which he's not a whiner. So then again, I go back to the fact that right before Iowa in 2016, right before the caucuses, a couple of days beforehand, uh, there was a, a last debate before the first votes were cast, and he decided not to show up. And Ted Cruz ended up winning Iowa because Ted Cruz got the stage and got to show 
what he could do as far as performance is concerned and, and lay out his policy and so on. So Trump actually lost Iowa. I, I get it. He, he went on to win a nomination. But I think sitting out, I, I, I see almost no upside to doing that outside of playing not to lose. And Donald Trump, if there's one thing that he doesn't do is play not to lose. So hopefully we'll see him up there. That's August 23rd. That is Milwaukee. And, yes, that will be carried by Fox. Martha McCallum and Brett Baer, of course, will be your moderators for that particular evening. So I want to talk about some other things as well here, guys. Important stuff. Believe me. Like I just got I was in my backyard earlier and I got attacked by a hornet. Have you ever been bit by a hornet before? I mean, I get bit stung. I don't know what it was. But, man, it hurt. And I'm kind of a tough guy you know football state champs wayne valley defensive end i was a sack machine you should have seen me i was like uh uh lawrence taylor all right but smaller point being that usually i could take pain pretty well not this time i mean now to this hour it still hurts thank god my wife's a doctor she got me something called zyrtec i think it was called and that helped relieve the pain a little bit but it's still throbbing so now i shared this little fact on social media and people are responding to me with their worst Hornet stories. Apparently, this has happened to other people before. One guy said that he opened a can up. It was like garbage, I guess, and he, I don't know why he opened the can exactly, but there was a hornet in it, and it flew into his mouth, and he swallowed it. I'm like, oh, all right, so that could have gotten a lot worse. Anyway, enjoy your lunch. i got to talk more about this whistleblower stuff from yesterday, guys, on Capitol Hill. I mean, just amazing as far as the testimony that was put forth and the money, the dollars that we're talking about. Let's go to, this is uh, Joseph Ziegler. Remember who Joseph Ziegler is. Longtime employee of the IRS. This is one of the whistleblowers who has voted Democrat his whole life and is gay. Okay? So this isn't some MAGA guy coming forward to, to try to make allegations against the Bidens because, boy, he's such a trumper. This is anything but. So, guys, uh, control room, let's go to cut five, this montage. And Joseph Ziegler explains exactly how the Bidens got so rich. Approximate total transfers from the Romania company would have been $3.1 million to everyone. How much did Hunter Biden and his business associates receive from State Energy HK Limited through the Robinson Walker LLC? $3 million. The total transfers from Hudson West 3 to everyone was $3.7 million. Burisma paid to everyone involved $6.5 million. Burisma also paid Blue Star Strategies and a law firm hundreds of thousands of dollars, bringing the total Burisma payments to over $7 million. Is, is that correct? That is correct, $7.3 million. Between 2014 and 2019, this brings the total amount of foreign income streams received to approximately $17 million, correct? That is correct. $17 million. Amazing. And again, if you could tell me what services were rendered to get $17 million, would love to hear it. Those poor schleps that played in the USFL, which I actually watched. I know. XFL, same thing. They made like 20000 a game for putting basically, you know, their careers and physical well-being on the line. And, and Hunter Biden and his family. Not just Hunter, by the way. Remember, James Biden, the president's brother, got millions. Hallie Biden, who is the president's niece, okay, who was married to Bo Biden and then decided to have a relationship with Hunter after Bo died, which on many levels is twisted. I'm sorry. I, I I try to get my head around that one. But anyway, that, that's that's not illegal, apparently, so that's fine. Halle Berry, who's a guidance counselor in Delaware, got tens of thousands of dollars sent to her. For what? What did these people do? And then Hunter Biden called Joe Biden the big guy in emails. And again, Ziegler and Shipley, the two whistleblowers yesterday, said, yeah, that's that's who it is. It's Joe Biden. And again, 
I keep asking the question, how do you afford a beach house in Delaware if you're not getting money from your son in this fashion? And are you compromised now by the Chinese government? Great. Or Ukrainian government, for that matter. Mm. Or Russia or Romania. I could go through all the countries that Hunter Biden has done business in. And this scumbag, I'm sorry. Like, forget the prostitutes and the crack and all that other stuff. Whatever. Right? He was an addict. The fact that he impregnated his assistant and then she went ahead and had the baby and then he took her and the baby off of his health insurance. Think about this. And then decided to go to court with her to battle the monthly payments that you make in childcare, saying he couldn't afford it. You can't afford it? We just heard the kind of money you made in all these countries. Oh, yeah. And then he morphed into Leonardo da Vinci and making all these paintings for up to $500,000. The guy's never painted in his life, just like he's never worked for an energy company in his life. So this is what we're dealing with. And the fact that, oh, well, you know, you hear people say, I'll vote for Joe Biden because he's a good man and he comes from a good family. Are you nuts? This is the same president that, that won't even acknowledge his grand granddaughter. The seventh one, he keeps saying he has six, talks to him every day. Won't even acknowledge the seventh one because it's politically inconvenient. I mean, really? So if you're going to play the whole, well, we can't elect Trump thing because Biden's morally a better person, you're out of your mind because Trump would never do anything like this. That's certainly for sure. He's always actually been very good to his family. So I I, I, I don't even want to get into that. Again, I want it to be a, a debate on policy differences between the two parties and, and ultimately the two candidates, but it's, it's going to come down to all the personal stuff that I'm talking about now instead. I blew it. Sorry about that, everybody. Anyway, your number, 888-788-9910, your phone calls, and Carol Roth coming up on the other side. That's next. You're listening to the most relatable man on the radio. Best way to describe him is to say he's the typical boy next door. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Wow. From the you really, really, really want to feel old department, our bump music, that's what you're listening to right now, is a song called Our House in the Middle of Our Street. It's by a band called Madness, and this was released 40 years ago in 1983. Our next guest, Carol Roth, wasn't even born yet. You ever hear this song, Carol Roth, the author of You Will Own Nothing, the best-selling author I might add, New York Times? Uh, so when I hear the song Your House, not only do I rem- remember it from my childhood, but it makes me think about uh, all the poor young people now who would be listening to it and going, I can't own a house. What are you talking about, our house? I've got no ability to get housing. They've completely screwed me. So that, wow. that's sort of what came up for me. What a pivot to shameless self-promotion of your own book, <laughs> which is selling like hotcakes. You will own nothing. Your war with a new financial world order. And how to fight back. Carol, why won't I own nothing? I mean, that's an awfully pessimistic view. What if I just work hard and save my money? Listen, Joe, I want you to own everything possible. It's just that the global elite don't seem to be on the same page. You know, that that phrase, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, it comes from prediction from the World Economic Forum. It was in a video based on input from their Global Futures Council. And, uh, you know, they're saying that not only um, do they think you're going to own nothing, that you're going to be happy about it. And if this organization is littered with the business and political elite, 
they're predicting the end of private property, that means the end of wealth creation opportunities. Now, I'll, I'll note to you that it says you'll own nothing and not will own nothing because we have seen over you know decades and decades now a consistent transfer of wealth from Main Street to Wall Street, and that has been abetted by Fed monetary policy, government fiscal policy, and other policy. And so, you know, as sort of global financial stakes shift, we're just seeing the elite get more and more and those opportunities being taken away to, to pursue the American dream, which is you know something we need to fight for. And we're talking to Carol Roth, New York Times bestselling author of You Will Own Nothing. Uh, Carol, uh, Joe Biden has actually talked about the new world order that you're talking about and, and that shifts in the global economy are coming. Uh, what, what, what's that going to look like? So, yes, yeah, so when you hear New World Order, it sounds very conspiratorial, but you can go right on the White House's website, look at the speech that he did to the Business Roundtable on March 21st, 2022, and he talks about the fact that there are these cycles throughout history where different countries are in the pole position in the global economy. And the U.S. has been there for the last, you know, 80 years or so, but before that, it was the British, and before the British, it was the Dutch. And so this is something that you know shifts throughout history. If you look at what's happening in the U.S. now, there are lots of signposts that are telling us that we're getting to the late stages. First, we have public debt to GDP at 125 yeah. percent. The IMF says that you know where this becomes unstable is somewhere between 70 and 80 percent. The Treasury has said we're on an unsustainable fiscal path. The CBO has said it. This isn't you know something that's surprising. You have a Federal Reserve who you know, manages the world's reserve currency. They have not held that stable either for the domestic economy or the global economy. And so if you're a country around the world that buys things that you need to live, you know, whether it's food or energy price in dollars, and all of a sudden you need more dollar access to purchase those same things, it creates an economic and a national security issue for you as a country. So a lot of those countries have been trying to move away from the dollar, and we're seeing lots of announcements around that and central banks getting rid of their treasury holdings um, at an accelerated rate. And then the final piece is we saw the Biden regime uh, when uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine, we saw them fully weaponize the dollar. And they said, Russia, you cannot access those reserves. So why would countries around the world want the U.S. to be the reserve currency if, you know, we don't have the uh, the ability, if they, if they have the ability at their whim to just, you know, say at any point in time, you don't have access to them. Wow. And we're talking to Carol Roth. A wealth tax sets up going after all of Americans' wealth, right? It, it, but I always hear it's just going to affect billionaires. Well, why do you think that will affect everybody? Yeah, it really is a scary situation. We have about uh, $84.4 trillion is the estimate that is going to turn over voluntarily uh, via inheritances over the next 23 years. And when you see you know, the, the Biden administration and Treasury Secretary Yellen say things like we need you know, more of an inheritance tax or we need to uh, you know, tax unrealized capital gains, um, you know, so your, your wealth – Basically, they, they want you to concede 
property rights. They want you to say that it's okay. And the carrot that they use is that they say they're just going after the billionaires and, and the ultra-wealthy. Yeah. But we know it's never the case. They're the ones that have the, the tax lawyers, uh, the accountants, all the, the sophisticated people on their side. What they want is for you to give up those rights so that they can come after that, that wealth because they've got $32 trillion in debt and they've got $129 plus trillion in in, uh, in promises that they've made, unfunded liabilities. So that money would really help them out. Wow. So we only got about 45 seconds, so I hate to put you on the spot here. But <laughs> there is optimism in this book as well as far as how you can protect yourself from, from all these things that are, that are happening, that are, that are taking our wealth. What are they in 35 seconds, Carol? <laughs> so the, the entire last chapter gives you solutions to fight back. And since we only have a, a few seconds here, what I would say is, is the elite say one thing and they do something else. So follow yeah. the things they're doing. They're owning homes. They're buying land. They're getting hard assets. Do what they do, not what they say, because they may want you to own nothing, but I want you to own everything. You will own nothing. Your war with the new financial world order and how to fight back. Carol Roth, New York Times bestseller. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, my friend. Okay, Talks more Fox Across America in just a moment. Welcome back, everybody. It is Fox Across America. Joe Concha, Fox News contributor, columnist for the Messenger, in for the great Jimmy Fallon. Let's bring in our next guest, that is Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody. You can follow her on Twitter, at AG Ashley Moody. Attorney General, how are you? I am great. Thanks so much for inviting me to join you today. Sure. I'm trying to be as polite as possible. Can I call you Ashley, or do I just call you <laughs> Madam Attorney General? I, I don't know how it works with Attorney General. You know, I'm a mom of a young kid. I answer to anything pretty much these days, so you feel free to call me Ashley. <laughs> wow. All right. It's a done deal. So Florida's having a nice little run in terms of a lot of people are moving there, right? I live in New Jersey, and trust me, we've had several friends that have just picked up and left this state because the taxes are high, the traffic is horrible, the weather is eh, and it's just like at some point people are saying enough. And I think in the past you couldn't leave a New Jersey because you had a job in New York and that paid well. And to pick up and leave, well, that meant also up, upheaval to your career. Now I have friends that have the same job that they had in New York, but they're doing it from Florida because the technology is there to work from home or from a remote office and so on. So all I know is California is losing more people than any state in the country. Illinois is a close second. New York and New Jersey, third and fourth. What is so appealing about Florida besides the whole no taxes thing? Well, certainly Florida is a shining success story, right? You know, we've shown how you can lead. And if you make decisions, at least in government, with a lens for how do you also protect folks' individual freedoms at the same time, uh, you're, you're – your economy will thrive, your families will thrive, and you nailed it. It's not just that we're leading and folks moving here, and that is absolutely true. Over 1,000 people a day, we are rapidly growing with folks uprooting their families, moving them here. We broke tourism records last year, uh, the most tourists in our history. Uh, we are also leading the nation in new business formations, which, as you know, families rely on good jobs to support their loved ones. And that is just so important. So, you know, I believe we've been a shining example for other states on how you can really face adversity and challenge 
um, head on in a, in a strategic way that never lose sight of the fact that government, our limited government, is there to protect the individual rights and freedoms of our citizens. And it shows that is a path to success. And I, uh, Ashley, have definitely contributed to the Florida economy over the past year. Uh, let's see. Uh, did a, I had a work thing at the Breakers uh, in, in Palm Beach, which is the most gorgeous hotel in the country, in my uh, humble opinion. Uh, but also Disney World uh, was quite interesting. Now, I have a seven and a nine-year-old, and I, I get what's going on as far as the woke stuff and then the back and forth with the governor and Disney. And I posted one picture of myself with my kids in front of the Magic Kingdom. And, boy, the backlash was overwhelming. I'm like, look, <laughs> this isn't my war. All right, my kids, they're seven and nine. I can't replace Disney with like Bush Gardens or something. I mean, I, I have to go, you know, somewhere that they, they know the characters. They watch Frozen a hundred times. Like, it, it's impossible. And I just could not get over just how impossible it is to get near the mine train ride and other rides there. I mean, it's just absolutely booming still. Where do you come down on, on uh, the, the, the tax issue uh, that, that the governor, Ron DeSantis, uh, has been battling Disney with? And just the, that, that fight in general, or you're, you're staying out of it and, and, and uh, just keeping your head down, your mouth shut. <laughs> well, certainly, you know, as uh, the AG of Florida, I have really worked uh, closely with Governor DeSantis and, and many of our um, initiatives and strategies have, have paid dividends here in Florida in terms of quality of life. Uh, but I will say, you know, Disney's growth and, and uh, being a part of Florida's story, um, their growth mirrors Florida's growth. I mean, their success over the years has mirrored Florida's success. And I really think um, as uh, things became um, discussed more and more in the media, you know, this this narrative setup that pits uh, Governor DeSantis ag- against Disney is it's really wholly separate and apart from the fact that the Florida legislature looked at the the nature of the governing government entity um, of which Disney had 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 full control pretty much over the decades here in Florida and and looked back at when it was. Started and whether or not it had conformed to more recent statute, statute adjustments. And uh, I think that that really just had the legislature start looking at these special districts. Uh, and so they addressed that. And, and, you know, a lot, of course, as you know this, you are in, on so many programs. You've had such success. People really value uh, what you contribute to these conversations. Sometimes That's- the conversations themselves take a life take on a life of their own. Um, but I really do kind of put that on the Florida legislature to make sure that they were doing right by the Florida taxpayers and making sure they weren't favoring one company over another at the taxpayer's expense. That's common sense. That, that, that makes a total sense to me. And we're talking to Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody. I, I wonder, Ashley, um, as Attorney General, I, I would imagine, I don't know if you could ask for a raise. It's probably like a fixed rate. But when you see that crime in Florida is at a 50-year low, all right? Now, this was... Uh, according to a 2021 annual uniform uh, crime report. Uh, I don't know if there's been another report since then. At least I had a little trouble finding it. Is crime still at that low level, that 50-year low? And, and why is that when you see in cities from New York to San Francisco to Chicago, crime is skyrocketing out of control? Like, what, what's what's the secret? What's the, what's in the secret sauce? Well, hey, you know, that's a, that's a great point. And I'm going to go back to what you began our discussion with. It is no coincidence that, you know, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, San Francisco – are among the top states where people are moving from, meaning it's not just that population is going down because of deaths and births and 
that equation. It's people are absolutely packing up their families and moving. And it's no surprise that those same four cities are among the top cities where you've seen the largest increase, percentage increase in larcenies, right? So Florida has in no way uh, shape or form done some of this insane policies as it relates to criminal justice around the nation. Uh, We are a law and order state. We back the blue. We make sure they, we just gave them raises. We just gave them ways to buy homes in the community they serve. We just uh, and made sure that their retirement was better off. I mean, we make no bones about supporting those that sign up to put their safety behind our safety. And I think you have to have leaders that do that. You have to make policy decisions that reflect that. And where you're seeing this, this law and order breakdown in those areas, that is because there have been purposefully implemented decisions about criminal justice policy um, over the last couple of years, and now you're seeing that effects of that. So, yes, Florida is not immune from the same challenges other areas in the nation face, but we are diligent in trying to find where the edges might be fraying and passing new statutes, making sure we're infusing resources, make sure, making sure we're giving support to our men and women that wear the badge, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, I think that's what sets us apart from so many other states right now and was really not just attracting those that are uprooting and moving their families, private citizens. It's also attracting record number of law enforcement officers. I launched a program called Be a Florida Hero, and you wouldn't believe the response. Last year, we had hundreds of officers from other states moving to Florida to serve where they know they're appreciated. Oh, Ashley, I I know this firsthand. I have three friends that were uh, in the NYPD blue, right? And and they love their jobs under Rudy Giuliani. And then Michael Bloomberg actually was a very effective mayor and just not tampering with anything that was working. (laughs) So uh, crime was at all-time lows under uh, Giuliani and and then Bloomberg uh, just by enforcing the law, right, all laws, and and not having this revolving door of arresting people only for them to be back onto the street to commit more crimes. It seems like, again, common sense. Uh, They left uh, the NYPD to go to Florida because there was uh, an incentive program as well, right, where they received uh, like a signing bonus. I don't know exactly how much it was. I'm sure you do. Uh, and that attracted uh, many law enforcement uh, people. And then two of my friends that were retired, uh, I think now are training to be teachers in Florida, uh, where it's a, it's such a good idea because there is a teacher shortage across the country. And of course, that includes Florida. And uh, the governor in, in Ron DeSantis, I thought this was genius, uh, to take former law enforcement and and give them the tools to be teachers. I think the cost of being certified is being covered by the state. That's the incentive. And then you have law and order in the classroom, which is good. And and you have very responsible people that you know you can trust that aren't going to push a woke agenda and teach gender identification and sexual orientation. I have a first grader. And believe me, he would have zero idea what you're talking about if he even brought that up in the classroom, let alone that's not what he should be being taught at any level. That's a conversation that I and my wife will have with him at some point, I suppose. Uh, So, yeah, that's what's going on right now, that the incentive programs for law enforcement, whether it's to become teachers or become police officers down there, it's working. Well, Governor DeSantis, what has always impressed me about him is he has this not just incredible energy. I mean, he is he is everywhere all the time, engaging with people, trying to understand where our problems might be so he can fix them. He's also willing to kind of think outside the box. How can we achieve a, a, a better a betterment of Florida? How can we address a problem in ways that we might not have thought about in the past? 
He's always doing that. He's always challenging me to do that. And I, I agree with you. I love that. He's like, what kind of people do we want teaching our children? Like, you know, to have someone that's dedicated their professional career to service, what a great role model. He also encouraged military, retired military members to do that. Uh, and I just thought that was a great idea. Um, folk, you know, we have the oldest boy in our family is currently in the Army, and the the development of him as a as a human being, as a person, in terms of responsibility and value of country and person and others has just been amazing in terms of his growth. Can you imagine if that same mindset is applied to our kids? So I commend Governor DeSantis. He is really willing to give some folks with great ideas, the resources, and they're kind of the runway to let those ideas take off. And it's really, you know, just been an honor and and fun to watch and work with him over the last four years. And we're talking to Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody. Yeah, the uh, DeSantis campaign is kind of in a holding pattern, I guess is the best way to put it. It seems like nothing much moves because with Donald Trump, you have a core base of supporters that are, are as loyal as anything that we've ever seen. And, and the trick for any candidate, whether it's DeSantis or whether it's Pence or Nikki Haley or Tim Scott, uh, is to convince voters that you are the better alternative. And and I thought that the governor made an excellent point. And I hadn't really thought about it before. Uh, not only saying that, yeah, I'm the guy who could beat Joe Biden, because obviously we've seen already Donald Trump lose to him uh, once. And you can argue that perhaps he's a weaker candidate now going into 2024 than he was in 2020. Certainly weaker than he was in 2016. But then the governor also said, he told uh, Ainsley Earhart on, on Fox and Friends this morning that I can serve two terms. And people don't consider that, right? Like, in other words, Donald Trump will be a, a lame duck from day one, while DeSantis can give you eight years. Um, I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. I think the governor's best shot is the debate August 23rd in Milwaukee toe-to-toe with Donald Trump. You see the two men on stage uh, debating for the first time and laying out their arguments. Uh, Do you think Donald Trump shows up to that debate? And if he does not, what does that say about him? You know, I think debates are an incredible way for folks to learn about not just the policies each candidate intends to implement when, if and when they make it into office, but they feel their... Uh, personality, their ability to uh, perform under pressure, uh, you know, serving in the highest office of the land, uh, it's a challenge. And every day is pressure. And you, I mean, we can see and we've seen over the last two years, uh, a a withering of someone when they're faced with pressure right now in the the presidential office uh, and the inability to do that job. I think it's going to be great. You know, I hope all the candidates are there because I just think it's a great way for voters to get to know them. And, you know, going to some of your first points, and and Governor DeSantis talks about this a lot, campaigns are job interviews, very long job interviews with a whole bunch of bosses out there. And I think that you know, Governor DeSantis has been in Florida. He's done great things. No one can dispute that. Our record you know, demonstrates that. But he's now got to, you know, tell the other folks that want to be his, that he wants to be his bosses. You know, the the voters, the citizens right. of this country would be his bosses. He's got to convince them to hire him. And I love that analogy because that's why debates are important. That's why the next six months until the first uh, primaries are held are important. 
Uh, and again, go back to your some of our conversation earlier. We were saying, you know, sometimes the narratives um, become a little bit different than reality. And, you know, there's excitement around around all the candidates. But I think once people kind of hear the experience and the background and feel just the sheer determination and energy of Governor DeSantis, as I can personally attest to as uh, being there with him over the last four years, uh, it's pretty impressive. And I hope that is able to be communicated um, in a forum such as a debate. Sure. As you pointed out, we're still six months from Iowa. And and the fact that you, you have Donald Trump saying, you know what, I'm, I'm up by a lot. It's over. You know, I, I shouldn't have to go. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, a lot, so much can change. And again, I, I would think that the old Donald Trump that, that I, you know, got to, got to know in 2015, 2016, he would relish having this sort of uh, toe-to-toe matchup uh, with, with Governor DeSantis, uh, as Ron DeSantis, I'm sure, is relishing it as well. And I, I'm with you. I hope we see those two men and everybody else up on stage. And then let's, let's have a debate. Uh, I'm going to leave you with one very interesting fact, Ashley, before we have to go. Did you know that, and I, I couldn't believe this, Florida has the longest coastline in the continental U.S. I figured that would be California, but the state has 825 miles of accessible beaches to locals and tourists alike. I looked it up, I admit it, but I, I was curious because I was going to throw it at you as a, a trivia question instead, but 825 miles, wow. Yeah, well, we're a peninsula, right? You know, yeah. we don't just have a coastline. We have, you know, lots of sides in Florida, and we're we uh, have great weather. We're very sunny. I, I, I believe that our future is, is indeed incredibly bright, and it's not just because of the sunshine. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot here, all right? And there's a one-word answer, okay? Or two words. West Coast or East Coast? Florida. <laughs> I'm West. Well, I am a Plant City girl from the West Coast, so I okay. have to say West Coast. But I'm the AG of all coasts. So there you go. You handle that perfectly. I like sunsets and says sunrises. Sunrises, I'm asleep. All right? Sunsets, I can, I can enjoy. And we just got back from Clearwater not too long ago. And it is gorgeous. Attorney General, thanks so much for joining us. That was a fun conversation. And I will uh, look you up next time I'm in Florida. Absolutely. Great to be with you. You too. Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fail. It is Fox Across America. Back with more in just a moment. It's the show that leaves you hungry for more. We'll probably sit around and cook some soup, eat bread and desserts, and just get all fat and sassy. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. This is new video that we have just been getting into CNN special counsels. That's Jack Smith getting lunch at Subway, spotted on this historic day coming out of the Washington, D.C. subway. Jack Smith going to Subway today is a message to Donald Trump. That was Jack Smith with no words and a simple $5 sub in his hand saying, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, the imagery was, uh, was intentional and spoke volume. I mean, it's a dude going to lunch. Like, that's all it is. Jack Smith's the special counsel that is running the Mar-a-Lago Trump documents investigation. And CNN, I haven't seen something this stupid on this network, and that's really saying something, since Don Lemon openly speculated that a black hole may have swallowed a missing airplane. Like, honestly. They have, like, these panels. Who produces over there? It doesn't work. They have 40 people. It's like watching an NBA roster. No, even bigger. Football, NFL roster on one set, all saying the same thing. And not one person on that set could say, Guys, you know, maybe we're blowing this up a little bit. Maybe he's just going to lunch. Instead, they're like, oh, what does this mean for Donald Trump? This is why no one watches that network. But they do listen to the show. That's certainly for sure. Coming up the next hour, we talk to the host, Jimmy Fallon. It's going to be awesome. Please do stick around.
live from everywhere USA. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And welcome back, everybody. Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. Our next guest is what we call a very well-timed booking because it is Congressman Pat Fallon. He represents Texas 4 in Congress. He's on the House Armed Services Committee, House Oversight, and also Reform as well in that particular chamber. Congressman, how are you? Hey, Joe. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, I, I watched those whistleblowers yesterday, uh, and I was just blown away by how prepared they were, how credible they came across, how they bought receipts, and how Democrats didn't seem to have any answers. Usually it's attack the messenger. They couldn't even do that yesterday. And then I turn on ABC News and World News Tonight with David Muir, and I did not see one mention of this story. CNN, MSNBC did not talk about the whistleblower testimony yesterday and i i just i guess the question is and maybe it's rhetorical are you surprised at this point are you frustrated by the fact that if democrats held any hearing under nancy pelosi uh live coverage was was given and we got wall-to-wall news cycle talk for a week and here it's almost as if some of these news organizations are trying to prevent the american people from learning something that is very important why i guess here's my question why is it so important and what happens next well, it's so important because th- there's a very real chance uh, and actually now a probability that the president of the United States is compromised, that he's a national security risk. That's insane to say. That sounds like some kind of a bad B movie. Yeah. That's where we are. And for the legacy media to just ignore it is it's not surprising and it's very disappointing. But can you imagine if this, this, if this was reversed and this was President Trump's son who made $17 million? from foreign nationals with a business that doesn't seem to do anything. Like, that's one of the things I always ask the question when this comes up in committee hearings or in the public. I'll say, what did Hunter Biden's company do? What did Alaska and these other shell companies do? And the Democrats can't answer that question. And I asked the IRS, they they never determined what he did other than collect money. So we know what it was. It was influence peddling and selling access. What services were provided, right? What was the value add? Right. I used what? to work in sales. And yeah. <laughs> that's the, the first the thing that I... Where's the value add? Joe, why would anybody hire Hunter Biden? Well, precisely. He, well, he, he was smoking crack and frequenting prostitutes. He brought nothing to the table at all. And yet he was on the board of, say, for instance, if we can just narrow and focus on Burisma. So there's this uh, energy company in Ukraine. And according to the 1023 that I read three weeks ago, uh, the Burisma chief, or the CEO, Nikolai Zolchevsky, you know, told this confidential FBI informant that he had paid them each $5 million, and, and Hunter was on the board, uh, and it was $50,000 a month. Uh, and But what value did he bring? And that's what the informant asked. And the CEO said, oh, he's going to make that corruption case go away. So then what happened? Joe Biden, the sitting vice president of the United States, flew to Ukraine. And said, we're going to withhold a billion dollars worth of aid unless you fire Victor Shokin, who was the prosecutor that was looking into corruption with Burisma. Wow. And they did. They fired him. And to this day, this is what's very important. To this day, they were uh, Burisma has never been investigated again. So they delivered on that. And it was just all coincidence. Come on. We're talking to Congressman Pat Fallon, and let's stay on this for a moment because we are giving currently, and I don't know where you come down on this uh, particular issue, tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine to help them fight Russia. And no one's saying, oh, Mm -hmm. Concha, wow, he's a 
pawn at the Kremlin. Why is he supporting Russia? Of course I don't. It's an insidious invasion. Vladimir Putin is a horrible, horrible person. The suffering that has gone on, particularly in eastern Ukraine, is horrific. You you, you see uh, the, the types of videos and photos that they won't allow on the news, and rightfully so, unless you want to just completely and totally scare everybody. And maybe that would be a good thing. Maybe I'm going to change my mind on that. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying that Ukraine isn't an ally and, and deserves our, I'm not going to say protection, but at least our support in one way or another. My problem with this war is that there doesn't seem to be any end game. There's no negotiation towards anything. It just seems like we're just keep funneling money over there. I guess my question is, Congressman, could part of our thinking on Ukraine be attached to the fact that we are compromised? And I agree with you on that. Is our president compromised in places like Ukraine, and especially in places like China, where there are also energy deals that were done by Hunter Biden, who has no experience in energy whatsoever? That's that's the concern here, correct? Yes, that, that's the real concern. Because, listen, the nations don't have – Henry Kissinger, I think, is saying nations don't have friends. Nations have interests. Mm-hmm. And it is in our interest to have Ukraine be free and independent and not under the thumb of the Russians. So there is, I think, some support that should go to Ukraine, but not a blank check. And that's what Joe Biden and the Democrats did. Uh, I think it's a radical position to do absolutely nothing. It's also a radical position to do what the D's did. And uh, so I think we've had like six funding bills that we uh, voted on Ukraine, and I voted no on five and yes on only one because it cost them about a billion and a half dollars to stay in the fight. So that's you know that's one issue, but. You don't want the president of the United States to be making decisions not based on our nation's interests, but on based on the fact that he might be compromised and he owes somebody something. Or like Victor show, or I'm sorry, uh, Nikolai Chelchevsky, uh, the former CEO of Burisma, claimed in the 1023 that he has audio recordings of him talking to Joe Biden about the payments. He also claims that he has the. Uh, the, he, he did a very complicated payment scheme where he used a bunch of uh, shell companies. Shell company, right. He's got basically the key to show you how he did it all. If either of those things are true and he shares those, that information with us, this is the biggest political scandal. This makes Watergate look like a jaywalking ticket. And you're going to get not only an impeachment, you're going to get a conviction and removal from office. So that's what concerns me. We've got to get to the bottom of this. And we've always just gone where the evidence leads us. And every time we get... We, we, we look into something, we find out more information. Uh, and yesterday's hearing was a treasure trove. You could teach a three-credit college course on what we were, learned yesterday. And we're talking to Congressman Pat Fallon of Texas. Congressman, I wonder in this situation if more whistleblowers now will come forward, that they'll be emboldened, that they saw what happened yesterday. They said, yep, I saw uh, similar uh, actions uh, from the FBI, from the DOJ, uh, slow walking this, obviously trying to not allow us to even interview, uh, for instance, the adult children of the president. Uh, Do you think more come forward at this point? I really do, because particularly with uh, Mr. Ziegler, who is, you know, the unknown uh, second whistleblower, he, his testimony was highly credible. I mean, this guy is a uh, he's a gay Democrat, so he's not part of the MAGA movement as they wanted to try and paint these guys. They, and even Gary Shapley, he's apolitical. They were just I can give a couple examples for your listeners that just uh, one of them was Ziegler's red line, and I didn't know that until I asked the question. So there, here, here's a one for instance with Ziegler. He wants to um, he wants to talk to the IRS was investigating uh, Hunter Biden, and they want to go and talk to they're, – they're following – he's got a law firm that's closed down. And so he moves documents from his D.C. office location to a storage unit. Well, they want to 
get a subpoena to do a search warrant on the um, storage unit. Okay. So they go and they get permission, but then Weiss, the U.S. attorney, says you got to wait 30 days, and if nobody accesses the unit, then you can execute your search warrant, which in and of itself is weird. But yeah. then Leslie Wolf, which is an assistant U.S. attorney, she that very day calls Hunter Biden's attorneys and tips them off and says, hey, they're, they're, they're interested in that storage unit. Why would she do that? Because anything that was of any value is going to find a light and a, a gasoline and a match, and they're going to destroy it. And he said, Ziegler said, that was when I, I knew I had to come forward. Wow. And, and, then, and, and that's, that's not normal. That's, and then uh, Shapley wanted to go and interview Hunter Biden. And so they said, well, you can't knock on his door. You have to park outside his uh, home, and you have to wait until he approaches you. Well, what perp is going to go and talk to a detective or an investigator? So that never happened because, of course, Hunter Biden didn't come out and talk to them. So he actually literally never got to interview Hunter Biden. This is insane. Congressman, can House Oversight have Hunter Biden testify? Can can that be compelled? Because that seems to be the person to really talk to, and the president for that matter, which would be extraordinary. And I doubt that would happen. But can Hunter Biden be summoned to the Hill and and have to answer all these questions? I mean, in theory, yes. Uh, And what we're doing is he's lawyered up. So this is what I would say to my Democratic colleagues, too. I mean, there's so much here, right? But if Joe Biden and Hunter Biden are clean, as they claim they are, then why not simply cooperate? I would immediately – I've been accused of some things that are ridiculous, and and then I show – I prove it. I go, this is ridiculous, and then it goes away, right? So, for instance, uh, the WhatsApp leak where Joe Biden says – or I'm sorry, Hunter Biden is is messaging a fellow from China saying, you better pay up. We want the millions of dollars that you promised, and my dad is sitting right here. And he, you know, and he wants, and he and he holds grudges, and we're going to tell everybody we know, and they're going to hurt you. Okay, so what's his dad right there? I believe he was, but they say he wasn't. Okay, then why don't you share your location device and let give us permission to go in and talk with you know Apple and your electronic devices in the cloud because we can see whether or not you were there that day together. We know with the exact time and date. They're not doing that because I suspect that they, he was there. And what's amazing is I was just looking up Joe Biden's value of his beach house in Rehoboth in in Delaware. Uh, It's $2.7 million they paid for it in 2017. Uh, A lot of these payments that we're we're talking about here occurred a year or two before that, or three, uh, in one case I see here in Uh 2014. So I always wondered, how does Joe Biden on a senator's salary and a vice president's salary, which isn't all, I mean, it's good, but it's not by a home on the beach good, uh, how did he afford all of these homes? He didn't. It's not like Bill Clinton, where he could do a hundred thousand uh, dollars per speech, right, or a million dollars per speech, whatever the Clintons right. got. Uh, I don't remember him doing really any speeches of, of value because he's not a very good public speaker, and no one really wants wanted to hear from him. So, yeah, I, I think that's a very good question that no one ever asks. Like, how does he afford such beautiful homes in Delaware? Where did the money come from? I think I have a pretty good idea, Congressman. Last word. Yes, yes, and, and, and you know. <laughs> You got to also think about Joe that in 2015 and 16, Joe Biden didn't. He thought his political career was going to end in January of 2017. I mean, Hillary Clinton was going to win the White House and she was going to be president for eight years, which yeah. would have put him into you know 82, 83. He's not going to run for president in 2024. So that's why Hunter was sloppy because Hunter's the bag man. 
they got really sloppy and very aggressive because they had to get get it while the getting's good. And it was only after Hillary lost that they realized that his career wasn't over and then he could go into 2020. So that's why we have found so much evidence because they weren't careful. And he is Congressman Pat Fallon of Texas. And I have a feeling that we'll be talking to him again because this story is not going away as much as the ABCs and CNNs of the world want to pretend that it doesn't exist. Uh, I, I do agree with you, uh, Congressman, that more witnesses probably will come forward. More receipts, more bank records are going to be shown. And at some point, they're not going to be able to ignore this anymore. That's for sure. Because as you said, this makes Watergate look like... I, yeah, jaywalking. That, 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 that sounds about right. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. No, Joe, thanks so much. We scratched the surface. I mean, you could talk about this for hours. There's so much here. It's unbelievable. It is. That's true. Thank you, sir. We really appreciate it. This is Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. Back with more in just a moment. The show that's not afraid to tell you the truth. Not only are you not a very nice person, you're also a slob. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I was just talking with Josh and Mike, who are behind the glass today, about what they would do if they were the winner of $1.08 billion Powerball jackpot. Somebody in Southern California apparently won that last night. I would work. I would still continue to do this because, hey, look, I'm, I'm already at home. I'm doing this show from home. I'm happy to share that. I'm down. I'm Joe in his basement. I'm the other Joe in his basement. So it's not like it's inconvenient for me. It's fun, right? I get, to, I get paid to talk for a living, really, on television, on radio. It's insane. So I would continue it. I would make it more like on my own terms kind of thing. I mean, I love Carly Shemkis and I love Todd Pyro, but am I waking up, you know, almost every day to go on Fox and Friends first? Not sure about that part. I'm only kidding. I probably still would do that. But I think when... You enjoy your job. I just don't know what I would do with myself if I didn't have work. I mean, I guess I golf sometimes, and I go fishing with my kid once in a while, and I watch their practices, but I kind of do all that now anyway with work. So I guess I would slow down and cut out a couple little inconvenient things, but for the most part, I'll go to Josh first. I think I continue doing this. How about you? Yeah, I, I don't see any reason to stop right away. You know, I'd, I'd go through the usual steps, get a lawyer, get financial people, create that LLC to oh. start funneling the money away to the side. Yep. And then t- and then six months to a year, I would start to wind it down and then pass it over to somebody else. Because at that point, do I really need that weekly paycheck? Probably not. No, you don't need, it's not about the money. It's about, okay, then what would you do with your free time? Start a business? Like, uh, I, I'd open a sports I, bar, actually. Let me think about this. I would yeah, definitely I would buy a like bar. a minor league baseball team and just – Oh. Uh, broadcast the games on my own because at that point, who cares? It's, my, it's really... my little toy. Yes. Oh, that's a good idea. I've always wanted to own like a sports team. A minor league, that'd be good enough for me because I don't think even now, even if I have, because it's, it's not a billion that you get, right? I mean, by the time you get the lump sum, that means they take out some. Then the taxes, more than half easily, are away. Uh, yeah, so this person probably going to take them around like 450, 500 million, which I guess is still enough to live on but i don't know if you knew this mike but 33 percent of people who win the lottery now this isn't the billion dollar version like we just saw but people who win a couple million dollars in a lottery 33 percent declare bankruptcy 70 percent end up broke that's just amazing that i guess to to josh's point you have to hire a financial uh, planner because you think you have all the money in the world and you can't possibly spend it like brewster's millions you know where you have to spend a certain amount of money by a certain amount of 
amount of time, uh, most of these people end up going broke, which is amazing to me. So, yeah, the financial planner is particularly important. And fortunately, that's exactly what my father does. So it would be for free. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, it'd be perfect for you, Joe. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with what you were saying and what Josh was saying. Like, you don't want to just quit your job right away, right? Because it would just be such a weird transition. And then you probably get bored quickly, right? I mean, like thinking like I'm in my mid-20s right now. So it's like you have the rest of your life to just do whatever. But I wouldn't quit right away. And uh, I think, yeah. I'd make transportation as convenient as possible, particularly when you live around yes. here. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I would get a chopper. And then I would talk to uh, Suzanne or Jay, whoever, you know, uh, can, can facilitate this. Can we land on the roof at Fox? Do we have, like, chopper abilities? I don't think we do, right? I haven't oh. tried lately, but okay. I could look into it. Yeah, I don't – I, I just wonder if you have, like, have that privilege. <laughs> okay. You ever see Superman, like, the first one with Christopher Reeve? And uh, the, the stupid newspaper, the Daily Planet, actually has, like, chopper ability from the roof, you know, and they can fly off there. But I wonder if we had that, but I don't think we do. But there is, like, a chopper uh, area, a couple blocks uh, to the – West, right, right near the Intrepid, I believe. So, okay, if I could fly there and just you know, somebody has a limo waiting for me to take me to Fox, that would be cool. And then, obviously, I'm flying private. I mean, I just, I just took a trip to Italy, and it's like an eighth circle of hell flying commercial. Like that, the private thing would absolutely have to happen. I mentioned the the, the uh, bar at the Jersey Shore would be called Shirts and Skins. What do you think about that? Huh? Hmm? We got something to go with. Yeah. 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 So the minor league team, the sports bar, I fly private. Obviously, the bigger house, and then I, I take care of my relatives, but but enough where they still appreciate me. I think then I, and then I think we're good. Yeah, did you guys did play you buy ball? season Met tickets? Oh, e- no, because I wouldn't be able to go to most of the games. Probably, right? Yeah, you don't need to waste the money like that. So I'll just on, go to, yeah, I'll just go to StubHub and get like the best seats I possibly can. But it would have to be a box always, always, because. You sit outside of these games. I went to a Yankee Astro game last year, and I had to get my kids out of there in the eighth inning because we were, like, burning. I mean, it's so friggin' hot. So unless I'm in shade and unless I have my own bathroom and access to food where I don't have to wait in those ridiculous lines, then then we're good to go. So exactly. it's never going to happen. So why am I even thinking about this? But anyway, that's that's where we all stand on this, and I think they're uh, very logical stances. Anyway, this is Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. Back with so much more in just a moment. Welcome back, everybody. Joe Concha filling in for Jimmy Fallon, kind of, on Fox Across America. So we go through with the producers before every show. We say, what would be a good, or who would be a good guest to have? A solid guest. A guest who's like a Swiss Army knife that can talk about anything and everything and has this thing called a sense of humor, which we have here at Fox, unlike those other cable news networks. So we got the guy whose name is on the show. Jimmy Fallon joins us. In studio, while I'm at home, the world's upside down, Jimmy. <laughs> I just have a quick question, because you, you talked about how much thought you put into the show, yes. which, by the way, is a lot more than regularly goes into the show. <laughs> you don't, this are, What you just laid out, I'm like, wow, that is way too in-depth for the regular business model around here, Concha. You want to slow it down? Uh, so that being said, did we come back from break with the line from Toto in honor of the Coke at the White House? Uh, or are you in an 86 Mets kind of mood? What's happening here? Both, you know, <laughs> because we, we go into this baseball season and the Mets have the highest payroll in the league. The Yankees, I think, have the second or the third. Yep. And we're talking about another Subway Series, which we have not seen in 23 years. Yep. And they both suck. Oh, I mean, the Yankees are in last place. Dude. I don't remember in my lifetime this happening since Stump Merrill in 1991, Jimmy. <laughs> Stump Merrill. Yep. But that was also the beginning of the turnaround because that's when guys like Alvaro Espinosa 
gave way to guys like Charlie Hayes. You know, and they started to pass that baton. But I remember that era, the Dallas Green era. Yeah, we've watched a lot of flops in uh, the baseball version of Tinseltown, have we not? Dale Barra. (laughs) Dale Barra. That's a Since you bring that up really quick, I was just in St. Louis. And Yogi Berra is from the Hill in St. Louis. That's they have his neighborhood. You can go. It's funny, Joe. You can Airbnb in his childhood home. But the people who own the home don't rent out the whole home. They only rent out a room. Really? And you know that's a commentary on who they think Yankee fans are when they travel. Meaning wow. if we give the if they wreck the room, they wreck the room, honey. We put up some <laughs> sheetrock and we're fine. Wow. <laughs> you get one room. I've never heard of that before. But yes, you stay at Yogi's uh side dormered room on his childhood house. Because wow. they think we're animals. That's insane. Yeah. I grew up in Hoboken and I was a block away from where Sinatra was born. Ooh. So that, like, that's like the one I didn't star. realize we were competing. You know, I did grow up not far from Joey Buttafuoco. <laughs> did I'm you? Kidding. <laughs> kidding. Wow. Uh, well, let, me, let me think. Buttafuoco, that was the 80s, and that's where he got his uh, unit. Uh, no, no, that was John Wayne Bobbitt. And if we're going to do this, let's just commit for a minute. Let's have some you and me time. Yeah. So John Wayne Bobbitt, the funniest story of all time, okay, is John Wayne Bobbitt was a man who famously uh, got chopped before it was trendy. He didn't do this because he was switching genders. He did this because he was switching women in the middle of a marriage, uh, which was not popular with his wife. Uh, so she went ahead and transitioned him while he was sleeping. Wow. Didn't they find the thing, too? Yes, and that's on? the punchline of the story. Is like If you go back and watch the old news footage, there is a man who stands up and goes, is this it? As if there were other ones they'd be finding on the sidewalks <laughs> of that neighborhood. We have to do a DNA match for this. I don't know if this is the one, but it's one. We found one, Sarge. No, no, it, you found it. It okay. works? It works fine? <laughs> I don't know that it does, but he did a star. Uh-huh. He had it reattached and starred in an adult film after that, but I must confess to not watching it, unlike <laughs> the Tanya Harding video, which was a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and But a Fuco, now I remember. So then the the girl, mm-hmm. he was with like a teenager, right? And yep. then she came and shot the, the wife. wife in the head, opening mm-hmm. the door in Queens, right? Yes, who lived uh, right. and stayed with Buttafuoco for like 25 more years before they finally got divorced. And I just, when I heard that story, I was like, what was the breaking point at the 25-year point that you were willing to overlook the bullet in the mouth at the 12-year point? But, yeah. you know, love is strange. I don't know what to tell you. Even oh, the Gilgo oh. Beach killers getting divorced. <laughs> right. Well, what's that settlement going to look like? Uh, I, I found a story, by the way. Oh, let's go. Uh, in People magazine, uh-huh. John Wayne Bobbitt talks about his sexual function 23 years after infamous <laughs> attack. <laughs> and uh, people have one burning question. Does it still work? <laughs> Bobbitt says he gets that question a lot. All right. It was successful, though. It, it, it does He got uh, it back together. Work. Yeah. How about it? How about John that? Wayne Bobbitt. We really took the show somewhere today. I just want, just so you know, because obviously I'm not on all day, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't want you to be this highbrow the whole show. Okay. You know, because for, compared to what they're used to, you understand, this is like a radio, you know, speakeasy. And I know you know that. That's why I love having you on so much. You. Is, don't you find that it's such a better way to digest news is to just goof off and kind of talk about it as you go, as opposed to, because what you said off the top, it really resonated with me, Concha. You You go, yeah, we have a sense of humor around here, unlike those other places. They really don't have a sense of humor. I'm like, how do you walk around all day? I think it was, 
O'Reilly mm-hmm. on his show. This is years back, obviously. He said, what differentiates Fox from the other cable news network? And he said, and don't say because we are right of center and they're far to the left. He goes, I get that part, but there's got to be some other intangible that, that I'm missing. Yep. And honestly, I, I went with the only answer that I could think of. I go, you know, I, at the time, I wasn't a contributor, so I was going on CNN mm-hmm. with Chris Cuomo and Aaron wow. Burnett and Don Lemon and, and Tapper and so on. Uh, and, and who is it? Savage had a show on MSNBC. Wow. And the, the former governor of Minnesota, who was the wrestler. Jesse uh, Ventura. Yeah, he had a show on MSNBC. Like, th- these are unthinkable things, right? Yes. And, and CNN was more normal. That's the only way I could put it yep. back then. So going on those other networks, I didn't see as a very big deal. And ultimately, yep. I kind of saw it as, oh, good, they'll fight for my services and get into a bidding war, which never happened, <laughs> by the way. But anyway, I, I, would, I would sit in the green rooms and I would speak to, like, other people at the network or on set, and they are humorless. I mean, I'm sorry. And then you come here, and I'm back at the frat house again. I mean, it's just funny, man. <laughs> people don't take themselves seriously. I no, no. The ke- uh, just the keg stands in the lobby alone here are amazing right <laughs> we commit I we saw jerry commit. willis doing one yesterday i'm like go jerry can i Good say something you. we're obviously joking but when jerry was on our show yeah. i think she did do a keg stand before she came on i'm not kidding so she was promoting a podcast and we consider her to this day and she knows this yes. the wildest guest we've ever had she That's came true. in she's like i don't do radio a lot it was like this you know what it reminded me to it was the radio equivalent I have a cousin who married a Mormon girl who never drank before. We didn't know that. So the first time they visited us in New York, we went out to dinner. Jenny ordered her a drink, uh, and the girl took two sips of it, and she was like, does this have stuff in it? <laughs> and she took two more, two more sips, and she had her top off. I'm not even kidding. At, a place wow. called, uh, at Jackie Riley's out in Levittown on Long Island. We were like, what's going on? She was like Kim Basinger in Blind Date with Bruce Willis. <laughs> when she drinks, she loses control. That was the greatest movie poster of all time because you know what it was? They had the perfect log line. It was called Blind Date, and it said she's the perfect girl until she has a drink. Yeah. And what a perfect log line because you get it. You get the whole movie. And Bruce Willis was, wasn't quite Bruce Willis yet. I mean, he was moonlighting Bruce Willis, but not like diehard Bruce Willis. Yep. So uh, he was more known for comedy than, than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I always get a kick out of – you ever read – these stories about who could have been cast in X movie, but they yes. went with Y instead. Uh-huh. So Burt Reynolds was supposed to be in Die Hard. Uh-huh. I always found that to be funny. Like I get it to a certain extent, yeah. but it wouldn't. I don't think it would get to, to the classic. Um, I I don't think level. so either because I think there's something about the energy of the guy and the time you're living in, and I don't. And I, I Burt at that point there was like such a vanity that I think it would have cartooned it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, but, yeah, I can't get Cannibal Run out of my head, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And then we, we don't have no ja- – I don't think we had Jackie Gleason by then. No. <laughs> he would have been Hans Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Bang, zoom. Nakatomi. Oh, wouldn't that be funny? But I did for Fox Nation recently. You, you, you mm. and I get called by the Fox Nation folks a lot. And they're so nice, it's hard to say no to them sometimes. Yep. But literally, it's like two hours you have to commit to doing oh, these documentaries. So I, it's... I'm in like three support groups because of those Fox Nation documentaries. <laughs> no. I want to hate them, but I can't. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, I, I did one recently. It was about Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Did you know that he turned down the uh, role of James Bond post Sean Connery. What? Yeah. Is that insane? But you got to understand, he also had the box office masterpiece lined up any which way but loose. You know, and it's, it's a, any which way you can, which, which was a sequel. Can. He had a baboon riding shotgun in a pickup truck. And I got to tell you, for my money, probably the film that was more fun to make. That's true. I mean, it's a story about a man and his monkey. Not right? quite critically acclaimed the way. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear what other iconic yes, role? Yes, give it to me, please. Turned out all, both in the 70s, okay? Mm-hmm. And this one came out, I want to say, 1977. Uh, it starred 
I'm not going to give you the main star, but uh, Gene Hackman. Ooh, and wait, you said it came out in 77? 77. Is it The Conversation or The French Connection? No, no, it's an action movie. Ooh, hold on a second. He's the bad guy. Oh, man, I'm sorry. That's man. easy. I'm, no, I'm not, because I'm stumped, because those are the only two Gene Hackman movies that stick with me. Those are Margot Kidder. Oh, yeah, good star. job, good job. But that's, that, that is definitely beyond. So here's my Gene Hackman in order, okay? Uh, Unforgiven is like my favorite movie of all time. I, I genuinely I love that movie. I never saw it. Well, it's great, it's slow. But uh-huh. it, it's a slow build, but they really hand it, hand it off well at the end. It's great. Um, and then, of course, I love The French Connection. Great, 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 great car chase. And sure. The Conversations. Great. It's, it's also shot in San Francisco in a time when you felt safe walking through the park at day. Yeah, <laughs> not, right. Not, forget at night, at day. <laughs> oh, that's funny. See, I, I go in a different direction with him. Uh-huh. You know, I, I'm more predictable probably. And, okay. And, uh, so Hoosiers? I, I, yeah. Mississippi burning. What else? No. Um... No Way Out I liked. Superman 2. With Costner, a Superman 2. I don't think he was in 3, right? I think it's 2, but yeah, yeah, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, no, he was in the first two, actually. Yeah, yeah. And Crimson Tide I loved, loved. Crimson Tide's a good movie. I could yeah. that. No, but Hackman's a beast. I mean, Hackman's fantastic. He's he is. Great, he kind of went great. the way of Jack Nicholson, where I get they get old, but you just don't even see him in public anymore. I mean, at least with Jack, we saw him in some Laker but, games. But you know what that means? Playoffs. That means he saved the money. Yeah. <laughs> if you see, like, uh, you know, De Niro's doing Meet the Fockers 12, it's right. a bad sign. It's like, I understand you want to keep getting married and having kids in your 90s, but at some point you got to stop working. This That's is crazy. With De Niro and Pacino, it's like it's two different careers, right? Yeah. No, same with Stallone. Pretty soon Rocky's going to be battling Alzheimer's. Oh. Like, is this a movie? I don't know. <laughs> well, I just filed the story today, and I'm going to send you a text to beg you to text it out uh, to uh, send okay. it out because it's for the messenger, and we're trying to get eyeballs on our Let's go. on the news site. Uh, and it's about the Hollywood strike, and uh-huh. I, basically my premise is that they don't have the leverage the actors and the writers uh, have what they that they would have had even like you know just a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, and we see that with Colbert. Kimmel, Myers, Fallon, they've been off the air for months, and I don't see any public pining for the return. You know that? No, nobody cares. It's different now. You want to know what happened? Two things really hurt celebrities. Uh, The big one is social media, because now everyone has become their own celebrity. You know, it, you, you know, you're everyone's running their own one man news network. So it's not, you know, TMZ anymore. It's like me, MZ, you know, and uh, in that regard, people are more dialed into following their own exploits and their friends exploits, which used to not be a thing. Celebrities were the original social media, but they were the only ones on it. So we'd buy a newspaper to hear who went out with who, you know, you'd buy a magazine to hear who hooked up at the after party. Now they're posting videos of themselves hooking up at the after party and you're posting a competing video where you either mimic it or your own party, you know. So social media really killed celebrity because it made everyone a celebrity. The other thing is, too, I think with streaming services, man, the proliferation of content has gotten so great that – First of all, it's just cheapened the value of film and cinema. But second of all, it's unsustainable if they keep paying its scale. So I think the studios are going to try to work as much AI into it as possible because the only way they can keep churning out content on this level. That's a good point. Dude, go on to Netflix. There's 8,000 series that have 8,000 seasons. And I'm like, who the hell, who's watching this? That's true. That'll, that'll just backfill. So when, like, the, the big movies will still come out now, right? Like Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. which I'm going to go see tomorrow because Chris yep. Nolan, I think, is a god. Uh, it, that's, that's tomorrow. Barbie's supposed to be excellent. I'm seeing some good reviews around that because it's, again, Margot Kidder, who's my hall pass, which will never, again, another <laughs> thing that will never come to fruition, like the bidding war. Uh, but I, I, I go through the story of the column where we go through the fact that there's no originality anymore. And I had to count. You brought up Rocky. We are now up to nine 
Rocky movies. Nine. <laughs> counting Creed. <laughs> yeah, counting the Creeds, right? We're up to 12 Star Wars movies, and we're up to nine Spider-Man movies. I mean, yeah. so it's just it's just recycling this content over and over again and hoping that, okay, we'll get the next generation to watch what everybody else has already seen. And just it seems like the originality, and I'm putting Oppenheimer aside, and it's going to yeah. make $500 million because it is original. Uh, but overall, I think that that's the problem, that there's, there's no risk-taking anymore. It's like, let's go with the no. sure thing. But even Indiana Jones showed it's, there's no sure thing, right? I mean, Indiana Bones at this point, right? Yeah, it's bad. No, he uh, – listen, man. Shame on him. And I had faith because, you know, The Crystal Skull was such a bad movie, the Shia horrible. LaBeouf movie. Yeah. That we all wanted to believe that maybe he was trying to position that as his Tommy Gunn Rocky. Do you remember the Rocky Five that was a piece of garbage with Tommy Morrison? Uh, the worst. But he, but he kind of redeemed it with Rocky Balboa those many years later. Which and was at excellent. least, yeah, and it had some heart. I assumed that Harrison Ford was coming back because he realized the only way to get like an annulment for The Crystal Skull was to make a masterpiece. So my yeah. belief was that this was going to be. A, actually, going to be a good film like Top Gun, where they put the right people on it, spent the money, yep. but it looks terrible from what I was told. People age differently. Crews can pull it off at sixty, right? Yeah, well, that's the other thing. There's some Benjamin Button stuff or whatever going on with him. You know, him and Tom Brady have. I, if you were to tell me there was an ability to make a deal with the devil, would you not say that a last <laughs> round draft pick, a backup quarterback at Michigan? Who would wind up being the winningest NFL quarterback of all Seven time? Super Bowls, yeah. You're telling me he doesn't have a payphone uh, outside of Fox Gillette Stadium that gets Satan on the phone? Come on, he's got him on the phone twice for the de aging thing, yep. obviously, uh-huh. and the fact that he got divorced right when he retired. Isn't that perfect time? I mean, boom! Get, yeah. Where's the Fox Nation special about deals with the devil, Concha? I'll sit through the seven hours of that for the two minutes they put me on camera. Let's talk to our friend. That's right, exactly. <laughs> I end up watching these things. I'm like, oh, I got a half a sentence in that one. That's great. <laughs> it's like whack a mole. You it just is. see yourself pop up. You go, oh, there I am. But it's still, it's still great content, though. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. Yes, exactly. Oh. So anyway, Jimmy, we got to go. I'm getting the, uh, the, the rap signal. <laughs> Jimmy, we got to rap you. You're the best, man. Thanks for doing this. Of course. The fans love you. This is a real treat. They get some bonus concha. So amen. And I get to do it from my basement. The other Joe in his basement. Go figure. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right, Jimmy. What's up, brother? See you soon, Joe. Oh, the Saturday, right? You're hosting oh, Saturday a- night. So everybody needs to know this. I'll be back on the air tomorrow. Full yes. show. Lincoln Fail will be on. It's going to be a banger. Byron Donalds will be on. It's going to be great. Saturday night, I'm hosting Fox News Saturday night, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Everybody better watch. Your radio buddy needs the ratings. All right, Absolutely. I, I did it a couple of weeks ago, and I pulled an adult diaper out of my butt. Oh, so that's, you could do anything. On, it's like comedy. this show. You do anything on that show. <laughs> Good stuff, man. I'll see you. All right, I'll see <laughs> you. are the best. This is Joe Concha. I was wearing it, by the way, because I wanted to express the fact that people don't like to go to, to the bathroom during Taylor Swift concerts because they don't want to miss anything, so they're actually wearing adult diapers. So I actually tried one, and it works like, tremendously. I kept it on for like three days. Anyway, Joe Kosher filling in for Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. Back with more in just a moment. It's the fastest part of your workday. Wow, you're pretty quick for a big guy. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Tom Petty, Joe Concha, in for Jimmy Fallon of Fox Across America. I'm sure you heard about this story, but up at Harvard at their medical school, they have found a chemical cocktail, or, or at least they've created one, that can de-age human beings by several years. And I guess the question is, would you take a pill like that? And the answer is absolutely. 
I mean, are you kidding me? I talked to Jimmy uh, about Tom Cruise and the fact that at 60 years old, he could do the football beach scene in Top Gun Maverick, and you think the guy just walked out of a fraternity house in his sophomore year. All right, it's just incredible. Brad Pitt, same thing. I mean, I think he's 60 now at this point. Guy looks great. You see women in their 50s. That, you know, Jennifer Aniston, I mean, will you age already, please? I mean, I, I watch Friends, and I, I watch this uh, the show on Apple TV, uh, the morning show, and it's really not that much of a difference. I mean, it's insane. So, yes, I would take this, but I think the bigger question is, let's say a pill was invented where it prevents you from dying. Think Tom Hanks in The Green Mile, right, where he outlives everybody. And by everybody, I mean because he's cursed somehow, because he worked on uh, Execution Row, and, and apparently that was like his sin, and therefore he was summoned by something. I forget, the movie came out 25 years ago, uh, to just basically live forever. So he sees, you know, all of his friends die, wife die, kids die, grandkids die, and at some point you're like, all right, I don't know anybody around here anymore, and I'm not really in the mood to make new friends. Once you get past, like, 40 the new friends thing just doesn't happen. You'll be friendly with people, but as far as like hanging out, bowling, fishing, golf, going on a vacation, move with somebody, have somebody help you move. Yeah, at 40, that all ends, my friends, believe me. Anyway, this is Joe Concha. This has been Fox Across America. Jimmy Fallon, thank you so much for allowing me to fill in. It's always fun. This is a show like no other. That I do know, and hopefully I'll be allowed back. Thank you, everybody, and I'll see you when I see you. So long. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.